0: Welcome to Southern Illinois Worship Center. Today, you'll be hearing a powerful message from our latest series. Let's listen in now. This is our our first service here. I've been planning this for I don't know how many years we've been planning it and finally being here on May 1st of 2022, it certainly is evidence that God will bless the work of your hand. And what you see here today is definitely the blessing of the work of the Lord on our hands. And throughout this last few years, God has provided in so many ways and through so many avenues. I sat down this week and went through some old letters that people had written as they donated their offerings and their tithe to build this place. Sat at dinner tables with people who had great visions and as they sowed seeds into this house, And in the end, here we are, and all glory and honor belongs to God. June of 2009, the first time Melissa and I ever set foot inside a building here at SIWC, the Lord had spoken to us. And that day we delivered what was on our hearts to God's people. Melissa sang about when God is four days late, he's still on time. And that was a message that the people of SIWC needed to hear. They were a people who had been ravaged by tragedy. And they needed to hear that even though God may have been late on their timetable, God was still on time. The altars were full. God ministered to many people on that beautiful day in June of 2009. And then has been my custom for the last 22 years, I've had to preach after Melissa has sang. No easy task. And I was preached that day on the effect that miracles will have on a community and on a body of Christ, and the ripple effect of one blessing that God can bring into somebody's life, and how that one blessing, or that one miracle can move an entire locality, can change an entire region, can change a nation can change an entire generation of people. You can look at even right now, today, we are each being moved, being ministered to by the miracles that we read about in the Bible, they're still having an effect even today. They're still affecting the lives of many. A leap of faith of Elder Irvin and Velda Irvin in 1994 is still having a ripple effect in 2022. The miracles that happened at Radio Tabernacle on 13th Street, and then the miracles that happened in what is now Auditorium C are still going to happen here in this auditorium because the move of God has a ripple effect across our lives. Then, over the last few weeks in the old auditorium, we kicked off a series called By the Signs, talking about the signs that were all around us about the Lord's return. And there is no doubt that there are many things that are lining up, that are coming together and causing each of us to look up because we know that by the signs, our redemption is drawing nigh. And there's going to be an event that's going to happen. It's going to look a lot like what just happened a few moments ago, where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Do I have any Jesus people in the house today? And I truly believe we have arrived at the greatest season, not just of this church, but at the greatest season of the church. This season is the season of what we would call the last great outpouring. And God, in his own timing, has allowed for us, the people of SIWC, to be able to expand, to grow. And God has allowed for us to enter into this place that we call our place of worship, this house of worship right here. This is one of the greatest blessings I have ever been a part of, to watch what has happened since 2009, what has happened in Southern Illinois since I first arrived to blue tarps on all of y'all's roofs. And a powerful storm, a derecho had come through, and a wind blew everything that was weak and anemic, it blew it down. And everything that was strong and could withstand it, it remained. And here we stand today as proofs after the last three or four years where everything in the world could be thrown against us, and yet here we stand today, still the strong in the Lord, still serving God, still filled with faith, still believing in miracles, still Still believing in signs, still believing in wonders, still declaring Jesus over our family, still declaring Jesus over our city, still declaring Jesus over our state, still declaring Jesus over our nation. Here we stand. And it's May 1st. This is my birthday present. Five days from now, I turn 45 years old and I'm enjoying every minute of this. So just in a few days, then Melissa has to respect her elders for 28 days. But it's May 1st. The calendar says this is May Day. History tells us that this day is called May Day because it was a celebration of the return of spring. It's to celebrate, and I believe this wholeheartedly, I believe I want to celebrate. I celebrated on Thursday when it hit 80. It's a celebration that the cold, dark, gloomy days are finally over. And the sun begins to stay up longer, and it's warmer, and there is no white stuff on the ground, there is no brown stuff in the trees or on the grass, and green things begin to happen, flowers begin to bloom, and the dark, cold, dreary days of winter are over, and growth has returned. It's a celebration. And here we are on May the 1st, May Day. And after two and a half years of cold, dark, gloomy days where you've had to wear a mask, you've had to stay separated, here we are to celebrate that we get to all be together in one room and open up our mouth and shout praises unto God and celebrate that the dark days are over and growth has returned. <laughs> And I can't find a better time for the church to celebrate than today, to celebrate that growth has coming, that things that were in hibernation, things that you thought were dead are going to come back to life in you. You think your children are dead, but I came to tell you that today is a celebration, that the days of dark gloominess are over, and things that were dead, when the sun hits them, it's getting ready to come out of hibernation and begin to grow again. Our sons and our daughters, our old men and women are being revived and dreaming dreams and seeing visions. Joel didn't call it May Day. Joel said, this is that. Then on Peter, when he stood up on the day of Pentecost, he reiterated it. He didn't say this is May Day. He didn't say this is Pentecost Sunday. He didn't say, he said this is that that was spoken of by the prophet Joel. That in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Those things that were dead, those things that were in hibernation, those things that had lost their color, those things that had lost their bloom, when the sun begins to rain down on them, they're getting ready to come back to life in you. And there is no better time than now, May Day. The first of May, May Day. And so this is May Day for our church. We have waited a long time to be in this room. But there's a different May Day. Our May Day is one of celebration. But then there is another May Day. And it's the May Day of the lost. And for them, it's not a day of celebration for them It's a May day, it's a call of distress, that they're in trouble, that they need somebody to throw them a lifeline, somebody to come in a boat of safety and pull them out of the waters that they are drowning in and bring them in, let us say, to the old gospel ship. Because the old gospel ship, I don't know if you know this or not, is getting ready to go far beyond the skies. And anybody who's left in the water is not going where the old gospel ship is headed. So while they're crying out May Day in distress, it is incumbent upon the church to answer the distress call of the world and turn the old gospel ship to the direction of the lost and the dying and the hurting and the depressed and the distressed and pull them up with the lifeline of the word of God. God and put them into the old gospel ship so they can have a different May Day, a celebration of what God is doing in their life as well. No better day for people to come out of debt and distress and discontentment. In 1 Samuel chapter 22, David was on hiatus, if you will, of his dream and his anointing in his life. And he winds up in a cave called Adalim. And at Adalam in the cave, uh, his family came. My family came today. His friends came who were in debt. My friends who were in debt today, you came today. His friends that were in distress, they were stressed out, they came into the cave. And my friends that are stressed out, you came into the house today. And then there were people who were discontented. They came into the cave at Adalam as well. So you have people in debt, people in stress, and people in discontentment. Each of them wind up in the cave at Adullam with a man who had an anointing to be king. And they went into that cave, people in debt, people in distress, and people in discontentment. A few years ago, when I came to Southern Illinois, there was a spirit of poverty all over this place. There was a spirit of "we are not worthy of what the blessings of the Lord are today." But God anointed, and I, let me just be just me today. I believe that God called Melissa and I to this place, and there is an anointing on our lives. And you may came into the cave in one way, but if you'll follow the man of God and the anointed of God, when we come out of this cave, you'll be the mighty men of God. You'll be the mighty women of God. You'll Your family will be blessed. Your whole house will be blessed. Your family is going to get saved. Your finances are going to be an amazing state if you'll come out of the cave and fight the good fight of faith. And so I'm asking you today to come up out of your cave of depression. Come up out of your cave of stress. Come up out of your cave of discontentment. Come out of your inferiority. Come up out of that and let's take the old ship of Zion to a great place. Can be seated just for a moment. Covered the first of May. The first of May is interesting, but so is the year that we enter into this sanctuary. The year is twenty twenty two. The Bible is filled with typology. And numerical code, and I would tell you that we're entering into one of the most prophetic seasons that we have ever encountered. For instance, in 2022, we're there in what we would call the Gregorian calendar, and then we're also then in the year 5,782 on the Hebrew calendar. Sorry, all right; we got doctors there. We're good. This, so we're in. 2022 on the Gregorian calendar, then we're in 5,782 on the Hebrew calendar. And so this is the first time in history that there has been a match between the Gregorian calendar and the Hebrew calendar. And so when we get into numbers like that, there is a lot that we can learn from biblical numerology or what we would call biblical typology. So in the Bible, the number 10 is the number of deliverance, it's the number of governance, it's the number of law, or it's the number of redemption. And in our world, we use the number 10. We use it like this. We say decades. So we have entered into a new decade. About two years and five months ago, we entered into a new decade. This house in 2020 was moving in great moves of God's spirit. The Lord was moving in our midst. We began that year by giving God our very best, our first. On January the 1st and January the 2nd, we had what was called Purpose Purpose Conference. And during that conference, the Lord moved in some magnificent and mighty ways. Then as we began that new decade, we were starting something fresh and we were starting something powerful You could say that as we entered into that decade, that there was a completion of a cycle and the start of a new cycle, and the church was moving at lightning speed. We were moving in great directions towards God, and I was on a plane flying back to meet with the original members of the church to have a meeting with them. And talk vision with them and spell out what the next few years was going to look like. The next five years, the next ten years. And as we begin to lay that out to them or get ready to lay that out to them, we get phone calls that the church has to shut down. And all of a sudden, instead of moving like this, there was an emergency brake put on everything and everyone. And all of a sudden, every ounce of momentum that we had going in this direction has now been stopped. There was a pause. There was silence. And then, may I say, everything was masked. Now, I can't speak for everybody. Let me just speak for this house that I believe that God called Pastor Melissa and I to lead. I felt then... And I feel that way as strongly now as I did then, that the enemy was doing everything in his power. Not only to derail the destiny of this house and of your lives, but the enemy was doing everything he could to prevent you from ever getting to your destiny and from ever getting to the dreams that God had over your life. The enemy was trying to derail this nation. The enemy was trying to derail our state, derail lives, and derail people's finances, and derail your jobs. This is what the enemy, his desire was to derail it. Now, the enemy didn't mean to delay it. The enemy meant to derail it. He had no intention of delaying it. He wanted to derail everything in your life. Now, we know that as we stand here today, that it was not a denial at all. We stand here today still where God intended for us to come to in this place. 2020, the beginning of something new. Everything then pauses. And as the enemy began to make everything come to a pause and put brakes on it, many people began to revert back to old paths. Old mindsets, old fears, old imaginations, they begin to go back to the old. Why would there be such a temptation over the last two and a half years to go back to old things? Because a good soldier cannot be a good soldier for God while entangled with the affairs of this life. And the enemy's job was to entangle the people of God in the affairs of this life and remove us out of the battle spiritually while we were fighting politically. (laughs) To get us out of a fight spiritually while we were fighting racially. To get us out of a spiritual fight while we were fighting all of these other fights in the natural and becoming entangled with the affairs of this life. And the more and more we got entangled in politics... Issues, wars, rumors of wars, nations rising against nations, kingdoms rising against kingdoms, Democrats against Republicans, whites against the blacks, blacks against the whites, Hispanics against everybody, all of this stuff going on in all of our world, then we were no longer pleasing to the one who called us. The more we get involved in the affairs of this life, the less pleasing we are to God. And no man that warreth entangleth himself in the affairs of this life, no longer pleasing to the one who called us and set us free. And so we need to stand today in this place, and we need to boldly declare that though two and a half years were roughly robbed from us, that we as a church will redeem the time. We will make up for the lost time of the last two and a half years. We will make up for the baptisms. We'll make up for the healings. We're going to make up in the miracles. We're going to make up in the signs. We're going to make up in the wonders. We're going to make up in every area that the enemy has stolen out of our lives. For we are required to redeem the time because the days are evil. Some of you have waited a lifetime. When I got here in 2009, many of you had already had dreams of this moment. You waited a lifetime. And we were announcing, we were getting ready to go into the building. By the end of 2020, we were supposed to be in the building. Then it got pushed back, and then it got pushed back. And so you've waited now more than two years for what you thought was going to happen in 2020. So then you waited, and you waited, and you waited. I don't know how you are, but I have the gift of impatience. Does anybody else have the gift of impatience? One time, I said, "I wish the Lord would teach me patience." And Sister Fenny told me, "She said, Pastor, I don't think you want that because tribulation worketh patience." And I said, "Okay, God, I'll remain impatient," and to much to Melissa's demise. But I do think part of that tribulation is waiting on a woman. And all you fellas are smiling at me right now, but you won't amen me because you're going to have to pray for your ribs. Fellas, tribulation worketh patience. So just play another song and wait for the rest of the makeup to go on. She'll be beautiful after three hours. And all of that waiting And we walk into this place, and I pray like you and me, we were overwhelmed with emotion of what God has done in this place. And I would tell this church, today is not the end of a thing. Today is the beginning of something. Today is the beginning of a whole new season and new chapters and new stories for this church. This is our moment. This is our season and our time of divine visitation from God. You can feel it. I walk into this sanctuary, there'll be saws and there would be hammers and people yelling and lifts going up and down that need greased, all kinds of stuff going on. And yet, there was such a peace in this room. I would walk in sit up there where all of you are sitting, some of the best seats in the house, those top three rows up there, And I'd walk up the back way and I'd sit up there and I'd read my Bible and I'd begin to pray. There was something so sweet and so special about this place. And every time I would sit up there, the Lord would just speak and say, the time of your visitation has arrived. The time of your visitation, of your dreams, and they're coming and you better get ready. And everyone, as we come out of the pandemic, everyone said, Pastor, I can't wait for things to get back to the way they used to be. And I'm thinking, I don't want things to go back to the way they used to be. I don't want things to go back to the way they were. I want to go back, and I don't even want to go back to the way it was, right? We talk about, well, back in the day, we used to pray 24 hours a day. I don't really want to pray 24 hours a day. Back in the day, we used to go on a 40-day fast. I don't know about you, but I really don't like 40-day fasts. I remember back in the day, Pastor, we would go, we would fast 21 days. We weren't allowed to chew on rags. I really don't want to go back to those days. But I do want to say to you that we're not going to go back to the way it used to be because God has something new for us. God has something amazing for you. It's not going to be back to the way it was, but it's going to be onward and it's going to be upward. It's not going to be backwards and downward. It's onward and upward because the will of God takes you from glory to glory and from faith to faith. So don't think you're going to go back to 2019. No, ma'am. No, sir. You are in 2022 and God's going to give you a new song to sing and it's going to be a song of deliverance, a song of redemption, and a song of restoration over your family and over your life. God didn't call me back to the way it was. He called me forward. And I pray in this whole church there's a, a desire in you to get a fresh touch from God, a fresh anointing over your life, a fresh vision for what God wants to do. Let me just Reminds you of a very familiar portion of scripture. God's people had just left Egypt. They had been there for 400 years. So their mindsets were Egyptian. Their lifestyles were Egyptian. Their speech was Egyptian. They walked like an Egyptian. All of my 80s people just came alive right there. Everything about them was Egyptian, except they were not Egyptian. They were God's people. So God takes them out of 400 years of bondage, and God's desire was to take them out of Egypt and make a straight line to the promised land. There was a few camps along the way that he stopped and taught them some things. But instead of going into the promised land, they send spies into the promised land, 12 of them. Ten of them came back with a negative report. Two came back with a positive report. Their names were Joshua and Caleb, and who cares what the name of the other ten people are because nobody really likes doubters and naysayers anyway. So why do you keep them on your Facebook channel? Oh, I'm sorry. On their way from Egypt to the promised land, they never encountered a giant. There was never a giant as they walked out of Egypt. There was no giant when they were camping. There was no giant when they got to the river. It was when the 12 spies went in. That is when they encountered their giants. When they got to the promised land, they finally recognized that the promised land wasn't just going to be easy for them to take. They were building their faith all the way there. We can't wait to get to the promised land. Go, oh, that guy's really big. I don't think we can get into the promised land. And I want to caution SIWC that we've been waiting for this moment for a long time. And we may, we thought we encountered some giants. We didn't encounter any giants getting into this building. We encountered some delays, we encountered some governors that didn't want to release things off of ships, we encountered some politics, we encountered some other things, but we did not encounter any giants. So as we get into the building, I want to remind you that the battle is just starting, and it's not ended, it is just starting. And there may be a temptation that you wind up in a battle that you were not expecting. Well guess what? You're now in the promised land and there are giants in the promised land. And then you have to make a decision. Are you going to allow what you see in your promised land back you off of what God has promised you in your life? Or are you going to press forward? So let me say it like this. Are you satisfied sitting in a comfortable seat with a beautiful building and all the music and the lights and the smoke? Is that where you're satisfied? Or do we want to take this region for the name of Jesus Christ and change our state and then change our nation and move the Bible Belt out of southern Illinois all the way to the north. We have to make that decision. Is this what we were waiting on or are we waiting on that divine outpouring of God's spirit on all flesh? Because if you think we've arrived, then you're right, we have arrived but we arrived just on the border of our promised land. See, the Palestinian covenant that God made with them, God gave the people of Israel 300,000 square miles. That was the promise. From the Euphrates River all the way to the Nile River, God promised them 300,000 square miles at the height of the rule of King Solomon. Solomon. They only possessed 30,000 square miles. They stopped possessing what God had promised. They got satisfied with a tenth of what God had for them. And it is incumbent upon us to not get satisfied with a tenth of what God has for us. He promised us this entire region from Interstate 64 to the confluence of the rivers to the south to the borders of Indiana to the borders of Missouri all the way down to Kentucky. And I'm not going to be satisfied with one service on a Sunday in this building. Pastor, you need a break. God will give Pastor Evan and Pastor Melissa and me the grace to do 19 services a weekend if it means we're in the will of God. And I believe this is a time to pull out all the stops, take the emergency brakes off, take the seatbelts off, take your religion off, take your tradition off, and let's go for everything that God has for our lives. Because I believe, as Pastor Melissa said, there are a lot of people, even right now under the sound of my voice, in this building, and those of you that are joining on the broadcast, there are a lot of people that need miracles. There are a lot more souls that need to be saved. If you don't believe me, don't go right when the light turns green. And you'll find out real quick that the person behind you needs Jesus. And if they kept it up, you were going to arrange the meeting. Our world needs Jesus. In our own country, on the far west coast, a woman can basically murder her child up to 28 days. And no investigation. I think our country needs Jesus. In our own state, we have billboards as people enter into our state that say are promoting abortion in our own state. And while I am all foreign, foreign missions, I think America and Heron. And Carterville and Murfreesboro and Carbondale and oh, yeah, Johnston City and Harrisburg and El Dorado and all the cities of Southern Illinois are the greatest missions field that you could ever hope to have. And so let us not step over our neighbor to save somebody that we'll never meet. There are a lot of souls to be saved and a lot more lost to be found, a lot more darkness to be dispelled, a a lot more blind eyes that need to see and deaf ears that need to hear, a lot more lame people that need to walk and families restored and marriages reconciled, minds being put back together again. And let me tell you this, I will not miss my promised story because I got enamored with the headlines. And I don't want you to miss your story that God has over your life because of a headline. Ooh, I got blessed on Sunday at the 10 o'clock. But you may miss your story because you got enamored with a headline. And I love this place and I love this building. But I'm not going to miss my destiny because I'm celebrating this building and not walking out the will of God over my life. And you and I both have a decision now that we're here where we allow problems, trials, wars, rumors of wars, to dissuade us from our promised land. Will you allow another generation to inherit what God meant for you? Because if that's our mindset, then we'll wait for another generation to arise. The problem with that thought process in this day is that we are the last generation. And if we don't do the work While it is day, then the night really comes. And my friend, there is work to do. There is a lot of work to do. We must work the work while it is day for the night cometh. If we are the last generation, we cannot wait for somebody else to do it. We have to charge forward. We have to go into battle. We have to go into war. And how do we war and how do we battle? we remain unentangled with the affairs of this life. And being unentangled allows us to take back everything that the enemy has stolen from us. Paul issued a similar challenge to the church at Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, and because it's Mayday, I'm going to read out of Melissa's translation. That's the New Living Translation. It says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. I run with purpose in every step that I take. Everything we do in this house is a church church on purpose. We are a church on purpose across the aisle and then across the street and around the world. Why? Because there has to be purpose in every step that we take. Everything that we do in this house is not on accident. It is on purpose, for a purpose, and with a purpose, and that purpose is the same purpose that Jesus Christ came for, and that's people. And we are here to win people to Jesus Christ and to make Jesus famous on the earth. That's the purpose of everything that we do. So may I say to us, let us keep the main thing, the main thing, the main thing. So I begin talking about the Hebrew calendar and the Gregorian calendar, and all of you are Googling that as I speak. On the Hebrew, uh, Hebrew calendar it's 5782. And we're in 2022. And in 2022, we have a repetitive number. And in the Hebrew side, we end with a certain number. It's the number two. We're in the second year of a new decade. The decade began in 2020. So in 5780 on the Hebrew calendar, just two years ago, the Hebrew calendar and the Gregorian calendar, we entered into a new decade, ten. Law, order, governance, redemption, 10. The second year of a new decade. And in 5780, we entered into a decade that is known in the Hebrew as the decade of pay, P-E-Y, pay. Or it's the decade of the mouth. The word pay means the mouth. So in 2020, we entered into a decade of the mouth. And three months into the decade of the mouth, we had mass mandates all over, not just here, but all over the world. What were we doing? In everything that goes on in the natural, there is a spiritual relative to that. And so, as we are masked up naturally, we were also trying to be forced to mask up spiritually. Why? Because the enemy knows the calendar too. And he knew that we entered into a decade that was going to be important to the mouth. That something was going to be declared that he didn't want declared. There was going to be something preached that he didn't want to be preached. There was going to be a prayer prayed that he didn't want it prayed out loud. There was going to be a prophecy. There was going to be a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. And he was doing everything in his power to deny the decade of the mouth. Well, he did not deny it. It's simply just a small little delay. And what you need to do today is realize that these 10 years that we're in is something that we need to utilize this to make it happen in our lives. Can I see this? Some of y'all way far away. You got to really get with it. Let's just go through 2020. Just go back and think about all the events, lives, nations, families, cities that have been changed because of the mouth, an entire election, race wars, socioeconomic wars, Political squabbles, nations using their mouth, and we had, instead of unity, the mouth was being used to cause division. The mouth was being used to cause discord. The mouth was being used to cause all kinds of disunity, wrecking havoc and chaos everywhere. Well, we're in the number two. We're in the second year, and the number two is a number for union or division or even disunity. And we can look around our world today, and I really don't even have to bring the headlines up. You know that we're in a world right now that is filled with disunity and division and discord. As one entity was being silenced, the entity that brings unity that preaches love, that declares peace, that promotes healing and miracles and signs and wonders, as that entity was being silenced. May I just remind you of the events that happened in this nation. Churches were not allowed to meet. Five to ten people max. But yet thousands of people could enter into the streets. It's getting tight in here. When it's tight, it's right. So while one entity was being silenced, the entity that's supposed to stand for peace and love and tranquility and do the works of him that sent us, while that was being silenced, the enemy was ramping up his voice of discord and disharmony and disunity. So there has never been a more important day than right now for the church to begin to open its mouth more than ever before to counteract the lies of the enemy over this nation and over our lives and over our people. Right? The Bible says that the power of life and death are in the tongue. That same tongue that can cause division, that can curse can also then be turned to pronounce blessings and unity and harmony and victory and God all over our streets. And in this world where you find chaos and confusion, you and I need to step back and make a decision. Are we going to involve ourselves in chaos and confusion, or are we going to use our mouth to bring order and harmony and peace to areas that are confusing and chaos? Let me just remind you that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. So we know who is the author of confusion and chaos. So if your mouth is lending to chaos and confusion, we know who you're working for. Well, it's 10 o'clock, so that means you're not working for God. You may think you are, and you may cloak it in spirituality, but you're not working for God. If you tear people down with your mouth, you're not working for God. If you criticize people, you ain't working for God. There is no such thing as the gift of gossip in the Bible. You're working for the devil, and you can speak in tongues all you want, but if you're mean in English, we ain't going to hear you. And it's time for the church to get our mouth off of each other and get our mouth on the enemy and get our mouth being used by God and stop tearing each other down. We need to start building people up. So what? They made a mistake. Be graceful to them because you might make a mistake tomorrow and they may be the ones that are going to extend you grace. The decade of the mouth, what we say is important. So we entered into a new decade. Now we're in the second year, so we're in the decade of pay. But now we are in the year, which is the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which is the letter that is called bet, B-E-T. So we're in the decade of pay, the decade of the mouth, and we've entered into the year called bet. So pay equals mouth, but bet equals home. It means the home. So we are in the decade of the mouth, but in the year of the home, or the year of the house. The first word in Scripture begins with an enlarged bet letter. And people, the biblical historians and theologians say that that letter begins to represent the house of Of creation. Because in Genesis chapter one, God began to create the heavens and the earth. It began with the enlarged letter of bet. So it's the house of creation that God is doing. And inside of that Hebrew letter, which is the decade we're in, is the letter pay, there is what they call a hidden letter. And in the hidden letter of the the letter pay, and it's gonna appear on the screens behind me, is the letter bet. So here we are in the decade of a mouth, the letter pay. And inside of the letter pay is the letter bet or the house. So I just want to talk to you for a few moments as a Pentecostal minister about the mouth over your house. Because we are now in the year uh, in the decade of the mouth, but we're in the year of the house. So I want to ask you: What are you going to say in this year over your house? What are you going to declare with your mouth over your marriage? What are you going to declare with your mouth over your finances? What are you going to declare with your mouth over your children? What are you going to do with your mouth over your friends and your family? Are you going to speak Jesus, or are you going to put curses and demise over their life? Or are you going to open up your mouth over your house and declare that God? is the head of this house, or you're going to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What will you say over your house? The mouth is surrounded by the house. You can destroy your house with your mouth, or you can build your house with your mouth. You can destroy your marriage with your mouth, or you can... Build your marriage with your mouth. What will you mouth over your house? What will you say over your house? What will your mouth create in your house? What will your mouth create over your house? What will your mouth create through your house? Life and death earn the power of your tongue. So here we are in our first service. What did you say when you came in here? Were you mad about the parking? I'm going to come over here. Were you mad that we didn't have hot coffee? Were you mad that somebody didn't open your door in the parking lot? We Christians have gotten spoiled. You'll walk through 17 inches of snow to get your stuff for French toast at Walmart. What did you say? See, when I came here this morning, I said, Thank you. God that we're finally here. I don't care if I get a seat. I don't care if they know my name. I don't care if they sing my song. I don't care if they do my dance. I don't care. I'm so glad. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. So I want to take a few moments And I want to counteract those people who have a mouth on this house that is not building up. I want to take a few moments and declare the word of the Lord over this house. Because the enemy will do everything in his power now that we've entered our promised land to bring giants upon giants upon giants. But let me tell you, I feel the spirit of Joshua and Caleb in this house. That though I may be 90-some years old, where are those sons of Achan? I'm going to take them out today. I may have waited a long time to get here, but now that I'm here, where are those giants? Let me step up here and hold my coat and hold my mule. I'm getting ready to whoop go. Goliath up in here. We're going to make some declarations over this house. I'm going to go faster than you can say them, but they're going to appear on the screens. This is God's house. This is not Pastor Jason's house. This is not Pastor Jason's church. You don't go to Pastor Jason's church. You don't go to Pastor Melissa's church. You go to God's house. This is his house. And one day when they either carry you to my grave or I meet you in heaven, somebody else will step to this pulpit, and I pray that they declare just like I am, that this is God's house. This is God's house. And this is God's house by the word of the Lord. In Philippians chapter 2 and verses 9 through 10, we declare that Jesus is the Lord over our spirits, over our bodies, and over our souls. He is the Lord. The disease that is in my body is not in control. Jesus is Lord over my body. He is Lord over my spirit. And he is Lord over my soul. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30 and Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. The Lord is going to give give us wisdom. He's going to give us righteousness. He's going to sanctify us and He is going to continue to redeem us and we can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives us the strength. There may be some things that you think you cannot do on your own, but I do not want you to put your mouth on what you can do. I want you to put your mouth on what God can do and God can do amazing things through you and That you can declare with your mouth over your house, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me the strength. Psalms 23 and Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 the Lord provides for us. I suffer no lack. We are not in the economy of the world. I don't care what the stock market does. Let me just say this to you. While churches all around this nation were closing, they didn't have the finances to stay open. This church was an oasis in the middle of the wilderness. We poured more money into this building and in the ministry than we ever have before. And giving didn't go down. Giving went far above any expectation. So my friend, we're not in the economy of the world. And I know some of you are watching your crypto right now. We are not of this world. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. And God will continue to bless this house. And if you do the will and the word of God over your life, I promise you, I have never seen a tither not blessed. I have never seen a tither ever walk in curses. God will bless your giving. And this house is a tremendous house of giving. And look around you, my friend. God has blessed your giving. The Lord provides. We suffer no lack. God supplies all of our needs, not according to what our government has, but according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We do not fret. We do not have anxiety about anything. I do not have a care because my mind is renewed by the word of God. Therefore, I walk in peace. I sleep in peace. I go to work in peace. I drive through energy in peace. We have access by faith to the mind of Christ. And we hold the thoughts and the feelings and the purposes of his heart. Not my purposes, because if it was my purpose, Melissa, I'd be living in Sarasota right outside of Siesta Key eating its salty dog today. (laughs) Instead, God took our prayer to move south and said, Southern Illinois, to which I wanted to send God an atlas. And here I still am. Not your purposes, not your thoughts, not your feelings, but the mind of Christ. We are believers, we are not doubters. We hold fast to our confessions of faith. And we choose every day to walk by faith and not by sight. Our faith then comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Jesus is the author and he is the finisher and he is the developer of our faith. Jesus is. Not my circumstances. Jesus is. And the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit his love abides in us richly. We keep ourselves engaged in the kingdom of light, in the kingdom of love, in the word, and the wicked one cannot touch us. Above all else, we will seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. We will do away with everything that we get in the way of us performing the will of God for our lives. If we do this, God will supply everything we need to complete what he has commissioned us to do. I declare over this place, the Lord is my light, and he is my salvation. And the Lord is the strength of my life. I will fear nothing, and I will fear no one. We declare that we are healed corporately. We are healed individually. How are we healed? By the stripes of Jesus Christ. We may not be in that old building anymore, but guess what? The healer is still here, and it is by his stripes you are healed. So we claim healing now. When Jesus was standing in front of a crowd, he just said, heal them all. And everybody was healed. So we claim healing now. We claim it in Jesus' name. And then we eagerly wait and anticipate the physical manifestation of that healing to come to pass. We believe in healing. We declare deliverance over this place. So we claim deliverance from every affliction in our lives. We walk in our deliverance by faith and we speak faith-filled words of life. I pray that every one of you that has a child, that the enemy has wrapped his claws around, that you would speak deliverance and freedom over their lives. Do not talk about the drugs and the addiction, but begin to speak life over them. Let them live in freedom every day. Those have to break off of their lives. There is nothing that can stand when you declare the name of Jesus Christ over them. So I curse the root of every infirmity. We declare that the price for our healing and our deliverance has already been paid in full. We don't owe anything and we don't have to beg for it. It is already provided. By his stripes you are already healed. Now we stand here and wait for the physical manifestation of that healing. So with God's authority we speak to every visible symptom of disease and sickness and we command them to die in the name of Jesus Christ. Every cancerous cell that's in a body In this room today, I command you to die right now in the name of Jesus. I command that body to live. You shall live and not die. And declare, open your mouth and declare the word of the Lord over your life. One of the little things I've been saying to the staff is, We gotta get this done. I want Imogene to see the building. We gotta get this done. I want Bill to see the building. You gotta get this done. And I was naming some of the the pillars of the church. I want them to see with their eye this building. When I laid Bob Harris to rest just across the street here in his grave, he's facing east. He's facing the, the way of the resurrection. And so as we were laying Bob to rest over there and across the way just between us and the airport and that funeral, and the, crane funer- the crane cemetery over there, I said to Bob, Bob, you're going to have to turn around. You're going to have to turn around, Bob, and see when the building's done. So, Bob, turn around today and see that the building's done. Now then, once you see that the building's done, Bob, turn around and look up because your redemption is getting ready to draw nigh. And the eastern sky is getting ready to part. And the trump of God will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain will be called up to meet him in the air. So I just want to say this to all of my wonderful pillars of the church. I declare over you right now long life and good health to every saint and family member so that not only will you see this building open, but you'll see it filled for multiple services, and you'll see every prayer over your family. You'll see that come to pass in your life. And don't think you're done yet because Joshua and Caleb were up in years when they finally made it to the promised land, and we're still talking about them beating giants. So you're not done either. We declare and prophesy a long life over you. We declare walk in our redemption from every curse in Jesus' name. We pray and we believe and we agree and we release the spirit of faith to receive a supernatural harvest of souls in the name of Jesus. From 1994 to last Sunday, we baptized 851 people in the old auditorium. I'd like to see that in one year in this new auditorium. A supernatural harvest of souls. Line them up and dunk them down. Line them up and bury them in the name of Jesus. Line them up and let them be buried in the name of Jesus. And let them receive everything that God has for them. Because let me remind you what Acts chapter 2 verse 38 says. That when you are baptized you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So every one of you where the enemy is whispering in your ear that you don't have it and you'll never get it. God has already given it to you. It's in you and you just need to let God have his way in your life. Because let me just say this too. We are unapologetically a spirit filled church. We will not apologize for the Spirit of God moving in this place. I'll not apologize for people shouting and running and leaping and worshiping and people being healed and delivered and set free. I will not apologize. In fact, I want in more and more and more a supernatural harvest of souls in this place. I think some of you are shocked. You mean this is a spirit-filled church? Yeah, that was the whole point of we are a non-denominational church with a Pentecostal flair. And what we mean by Pentecostal flair is we're going to be a little demonstrative because you don't know the cost of what it took for me to get right here on this day in this house. You don't know what it was like. You don't know you don't remember the dark nights of my life. You don't remember the times that God got a hold of my life. So you might as well just sit there and watch a moment. It might just get loud in this place because I remember where I came from and I remember what it brought me from. How many of you remember? (laughs) My God it feels like good in here. It feels like SIWC in here. We call to the east, to the west, to the north and to the south. And we declare that those souls in those directions are coming home. Your prodigals are coming home. They're rehearsing their speech today, and they're coming home. They are going to come to their senses. They're going to arise and go to the Father's house, and the Father's going to be out in the road, and he's going to put a ring on their finger, a robe over their shoulders, and shoes on their feet, and restore them into the house of the Lord. I'm ready for your sons and your daughters to come home. And if we're going to have a harvest, I declare workers in the field in this house. Though the harvest of souls is plenteous, the Bible says the laborers are small in number. So we pray that God would send us equipped laborers to minister and to witness to lost souls that God is calling home. And I must commend this church. You are a giving church and you are a serving church. All of you men that have been here in laboring hours, those of you that mow the yards, those of you that are parking over 550 cars today, you got here at 6.30 in the morning. The people that were in here yesterday transitioning from Friday night to Sunday, this house serves, and God will bless the work of your hand. Thank you for serving, because you're serving it as unto the Lord. This place looks nice because people serve. The lights look nice because Aaron serves. Everything is because somebody is working in their ministry may God give us labors when you're dealing with spiritual warfare the concept is that if you bind something you must lose something if you bind the spirit of, de- of deception and lies you must then loose the spirit of truth it's not enough to bind something and cast that out and leave the person empty you then have to release something to fill that void in their life, lest the Bible says that that spirit then would roll around the whole city and look for seven more buddies just like him and bring them in, and now eight folks are camped out in the house that you just emptied. And so then the next week when that person comes down, you were casting out one, and now you're casting out eight. And so if you do the same thing the next week, right, so you cast out eight eight and then those eight go and leave and they get some uh, seven more just like them and now you got 56 of them fellows hanging out in there and if you keep doing it week after week after week you got a bunch of legions walking around in here So if we're going to bind something up, we have to release something. So when we begin to declare this over our lives, it's not enough to say, Satan, I bind you. Yeah, I, Satan, I do bind you. But I loose Jesus Christ in this house. I I want him to be free to do whatever he wants to do in this church. Why? Because it's his church. I didn't die for the church. He died for the church. So Satan, we bind you, but we loose the spirit of truth and of love. That's Jesus, right? We loose Jesus in this place. We release light. Why? Because we're going to bind darkness. Light dispels darkness that blinds lost souls from being able to see their need for salvation. And we intercede. We take up the middle ground for lost souls and release the Holy Spirit to hover over them, guiding them to you, Lord Jesus. We will enter his gates with thanksgiving. Right through those two shoots. Most of us wait for the first sound of a keyboard. Bible says to enter his gates. Like y'all should be doing it out in the lobby because we got crown brew coffee. I know Pastor Evan was shouting and running the aisles the other night when he came in here. He was entering into his his courts for Thanksgiving. So we enter into this place. This is going to be a praising church. I don't know if you heard this or not, but y'all was overwhelming this sound system. So Pastor PJ is going to bust out them 20 other speakers and next week we got something in store for you. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. We give thanks to him and we praise his name. We will praise God's name in song and we will glorify him with thanksgiving. We release faith in God's people to come boldly before his throne of grace. And we pray that freedom of expression to be given to us in prayer, in worship, and in praise. So Lord, we believe and we receive boldness right now to enter into the holies of holies to draw near to God fearlessly and confidently. We receive mercy. We find grace that is sufficient for us in our times of need. We are bold toward Satan. We're bold toward demons and spirits and sickness and disease and poverty. We take authority over every stronghold in our lives. We take authority over every stronghold in this region. We take authority over any stronghold that hinders the move of the Holy Spirit. We take authority over any stronghold that would bind up your life and your marriage and your family. We are bold towards Satan. And we declare over our region our land that God will restore the prosperity to this region that it had in the past. That every resource of southern Illinois that has been robbed from southern Illinois that God is going to restore the resources of southern Illinois. This is not little Egypt. This is the heartland of America. And when the heart begins to pump, the body will live. And so we command the enemy to restore back every thing that was stolen from this region. Your jobs, your factories, every area that the enemy has been stealing from this region. We tell him to take his hands off of it. And this house and this region will be an oasis in the middle of a wilderness. This will be a refuge from despair. We declare these things over this house. When we put down deep roots, deep roots of trust in God, the scripture says that they bore roots downward and fruit upward. So, Lord, help us be bold. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 127, he said, Unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, they labor in vain. For 13 years Melissa and I took a baton of faithful leadership my brother and sister Irvin and we asked the Lord to help us build this house I think my last count to the board was we've spent somewhere between 8 to 10 million dollars in building programs in the 13 years that I've pastored here We supported our churches in south america pastor pete we added a new nation we're now in suriname trinidad and guyana we built orphanages in africa sent missionaries to honduras this church has run with purpose and with faithfulness we've built city parks we bought police cars when the cities could not afford them. We invested over $100,000 into our local community in one year. We put basketball goals in so the kids could have something to do. All of that in an effort to tell the Lord to build this house. God has blessed the work of our hand. We stood faithful to the call to the vision, and to the word of the Lord in building this house. Pressure. Get it done. Get it done. Get it done. We're building to the speed of your giving became our mantra. The more you give, the better you give, the faster we build. And here we stand in a building that God built. i know pastor pj and the team the other day we were sitting together at lunch and i looked around the table and most of them had been with me for a lot a lot of years many a morning praying many a morning devotions 21 days of prayer and fasting i would buy them gallons of water and they knew what was coming 21 days of fasting for the staff Working all night. Back in the day when You Shine was on a Wednesday night, we would tear the entire building down on Sunday. Rebuild it on Monday and have rehearsal on Tuesday. A lot of years of labor, sacrifice, dedication. Pastor Evan and Melissa and I averaged over 260 services a year for 10 years. A lot of years. Sacrifice, dedication, consecration, and prayer. And as we began the process just a few weeks ago of moving from the old auditorium into the new, when I would walk the walk from the coffee shop in the old building and come down the hallway, come into the new foyer, and come in walking through the chutes, there was an old psalm that would ring in my ear. In the time of the writing of this psalm, David was at the lowest point of his life. He was asking God for forgiveness. He was asking God for forgiveness because of the sin that he had had with Bathsheba and then the follow up sins and the cover up. And about halfway through the psalm, David gives an imploring statement to God. This is Psalm 51. And he says to God, Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. This was David at rock bottom. And how did David get to rock bottom? David didn't get to rock bottom at the time of his sin with Bathsheba. Nor did he get at rock bottom at the murder of Uriah. What put David at rock bottom was that he stopped doing and stopped being the man that he was when God called him and anointed him to be that man. David's greatest victories were on battlefields and in the protection of what God had placed in his care. It was when David stopped fighting. It was when David stopped heading out to war. It's when David looked at what God had placed in his care and no longer wanted to protect that. That is when failure came to David's life. And I recognize that today we're not standing here in a despairing place like David. But I cannot allow a mountaintop experience. It's a celebration of May Day and opening day here and what God has allowed us to accomplish, I cannot let this day go by and let us lose sight of this truth. We cannot even make it out of this building without the presence of God. We can't make it another day without His Spirit. What got us here was His presence and His power. And what will take us to tomorrow will be his presence and his power. So if you would, would you just bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, I want your presence to be in this place. I ask you, Lord, that your spirit would continually be empowering your people. Lord, that you would put your people into the proper places at the proper times with the proper words of their lives. May your spirit continue to empower us to be all that you have called us to be. And Lord, I ask that there would be a restoration of joy, that there would be a renewing of spirits, that you would deliver us from pride, and let our mouths over our house be praise and declaration over you. May we be reminded that we did not get here by ourselves, but it has been by your power and your might. And Lord, we will continue to depend on you for Lord, you know, we cannot make it without you. And so Lord, as I stand here before this great amount of people, I tell you, Lord, that we dedicate this place to you. We dedicate this place for your glory. We dedicate this so that your spirit would reside here. And Lord, cast us not away and never remove your presence from us. But may your presence dwell over the top of your people. And may your glory fill this house. So much so that the pillars would begin to shake and we would see the Lord high and lifted up and his train filling the temple and we ask all of this in the name that is above every name the name of Jesus Christ and all of God's people said at the dedication of the temple When Solomon dedicated the temple, the scripture says that the power and glory of God were on display. We've dedicated this place to God. We've asked him to use it for his glory. To send his power and to saturate us with his presence. And our prayer is that God's glory and power would be on display. And in just a moment, I'm going to have you stand. And if there's any area of your life where you need God's power and glory on display, when we stand, our prayer teams are available to you. Pastor Evan and Pastor Melissa and the team are going to sing one more song. And our prayer teams are available during this song. This is our time to worship and our time to be prayed for. The scripture says to call upon the elders and let them anoint you with oil And lay hands on you. So when we stand, that's what I'd ask that you would do. This is God's house. And he builds this house. This is God's church. And I want God to build his church. And if I ask God to build the church, I'm asking God to build you. He's the God over your house? And what will your mouth declare over your house? We declare you healed, whole, saved, sanctified, redeemed, and justified through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Would you stand with me across the building? Thank you for listening today. Be sure to check out our podcast weekly subscribe to our YouTube channel, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also visit siwcenter.org to find out more information about Southern Illinois Worship Center. Be sure to join us right here next week.